Hello, everybody. We are still in our series, Eternal Life, What's Next? And we've been talking about really a number of related topics, death, heaven, the millennium, preparing for all that God has for us in the future, which is a lot. Today, I'd like for us to go back to this life for a while. We've been talking about the next life, but let's go back to this week. In a few weeks, we're going to go back to what's ahead of us. But today is the last Sunday of 2021. And normally, people think back on the past year, about this last week, and uh, kind of do some reflection. And they at least dream of what they would like to see different next year. In fact, that's why many people come up with New Year's resolutions. And by the way, I think it is a good thing to make go to make new goals, especially as it relates to one's personal life. The only thing we need to realize is that God is the only one who can bring about true change and transformation within us. And just having a New Year's resolution isn't going to work. And we probably all can probably give stories of times that we did and it didn't work, right? So the question I want to put out to everyone today is, will your life be different? Will you live your life differently in 2022? If so, will it reflect the priorities and goals, all the goals that God has for you? As we've been saying for weeks now, the life ahead of us in this next life, this next world is more real certainly a lot longer because it's for eternity, right? And it's going to be much, much better. What are we doing to prepare for that? Are we eternally minded? Are the things that we're investing in, do they have eternal value, eternal purpose? They should be. So I want us to begin today by looking at a fairly well-known parable that Jesus gave in Luke 14, 16 through 24. By the way, there are similar parables, probably three or four, that he gave with a very different twist and maybe even a different message. And we're going to probably look at one additional one next week. But let's kind of read this parable, starting in verse 16. But he said to him, a man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going out to try them. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to the master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring them in and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, Master, what you commanded has already been done and there's still room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the edges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who are invited shall taste of my dinner. Okay, let's go back to verse 16. It says, 
And he said to him, a man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. Obviously, this is uh, in the parable, this is a reference to God. And I think there's probably two things we can kind of note about God. First of all, he's given a big dinner. Okay. And of course, a few weeks ago, we talked about the marriage supper of the lamb, right? But really, I don't think it's just the marriage supper of the lamb. I think this is talking about all that God has ahead of us, certainly starting with the marriage supper of the lamb. And and by the way, maybe the marriage supper of the lamb, maybe it lasts for on and on and on, maybe a good bit of the millennium. I, I, I We really don't know. But we do know that God has an abundance for us. Psalm 36, verse 8. We've read this before already. It says, They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. And then in Isaiah 25, we we see, um, okay, here we go. Isaiah 25, starting in verse 6. The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and refined aged wine. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering, which is over all peoples, even the veil, which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. So we know he's talking about this next age, right? And the Lord will wipe tears away from all faces, and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And then it goes on talking more about it. But I think we can see here that God is preparing not just a big dinner, but a lavish banquet for all the peoples. And death is going to be done away with. Tears are going to be done away with. Or in Psalm 36, it talks about how we're going to be filled with the abundance of his house. Actually, I love those two descriptions. A lavish banquet for all the peoples filled with the abundance of his house. That's what he has. So first of all, we can see in verse 16 here, going back to Luke 14, he is given a big dinner. And second, he's inviting many. It says a man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. Really, throughout history, this invitation has been extended, especially since Jesus died at the cross for us. Today, through many different ways, this invitation goes out and is going out. It's gone out. And, uh, and I think even more so with the advanced technology, you know, satellite TV and radio and internet and social media, the invitation's going out to many of the peoples of the world. And that invitation is, you can see in Old Testament and New Testament, one of the words that you see over and over is come, come, drink of his river of delights, eat of his abundance. And he tells us, I have peace and joy. Come to know me, receive from me. I have a lot that I want to give you. Receive from me the gift of eternal life. That's the great invitation. And of course, it's, it's much more than that, as we know. Okay, let's, let's go on down to verse 17. And let's kind of read the next few verses. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to, to say to those who had been invited, Come, 
By the way, that's part of the invitation, right? Come, for everything is ready now. And they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm, try- and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason, I can't come. Wow, so many excuses here. And note that for at least these people, the excuses were not saying, oh, that's a bad, that's a bad idea. I don't want to kind of come. It was just that I cannot. I don't have time. Because usually, at least in two of the three, it says there's a very polite, please consider me excused. You know, so there's not a denying that there's there's a reality here, that there's going to be a dinner. It's just that I, I've got so much on my plate now. I can't, I don't have time. And if you look at those excuses, they sound similar to the ones today. Only today it's in today's world. You know, we're not, you know, most of us are probably not buying five, um, you know, yoga back oxen. But we are doing other things. Let's take a look at these excuses. I have bought a piece of land. I need to look after it. Let's face it. In our world today, we always, and, and by the way, it was true back then too, but even more today, I think. We always have some project we're working on. Something that demands our attention. And so we use that as an excuse. You know, I'd really like to be more involved. I'd really like to kind of serve the Lord. But you know, at this point in my life, I really can't. I've got things that are demanding my attention. The next one, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. You know what? Again, there's always something in this life that is important and that is necessary for us to do. And we've got to be careful because that's a slippery slope because we always have something to do. Or this one, I've married a wife. And for that reason, I cannot come. Well, you know what? There's always a relationship that needs attention. Maybe it's a wife. Maybe it's a husband. Maybe it's children. Maybe it's grandchildren. Maybe it's older parents. Every season of life has relationship challenges, or maybe we should say relationship responsibilities. And let's be honest. These are things in life. Which, there are things in life that need our attention. Family, work, business, relationships, finances, our house needs needs to repair something, the car or maybe cars. But here's the thing. God has promised if we put him first, he will more than take care of us. In fact, look at Luke chapter 12. And that's one of the, uh, that's one of the, uh, I don't have a verse here yet, but, uh, but there's a, there's a, uh, you know, he promises he's going to take care of us. But it does require trust, doesn't it? And trust means I'm not going to rely on my own ability or my own wisdom, but I'm going to rely on him. Luke 12, one of those verses, verse 31, it says, But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And that's why being a disciple of Jesus is a matter of trust. We do have these responsibilities. No one's denying that. But when we make it as an excuse 
for not giving our whole life and following him, that's where the problem is. And, uh, and again, that's not to deny that some of these things require attention. But God says, and if you read the whole chapter, or if you read Matthew 6, pretty much it's, it kind of says some of the same things in a different way. The message is, I know you need to take care of things. You need food, you need clothing, you need all these basic essentials. But here's my promise to you. If you, how does it say, if you seek my kingdom, if you seek me, if you put me first, I will make sure that all these other things are taken care of. Okay, this is really, really important because this is, especially in Western countries that are familiar with Christianity. Yeah, there's some people who are hostile toward Christianity, but you know what? Most people who are not completely following Jesus, it's not that they don't believe. It's not that they don't believe it's a good idea. It's just that, well, I just got too much on my plate right now. I don't have time. Maybe a little bit later. But of course, we know a little bit later never comes about. Okay, let's look at verse 21 and 22. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. Um, the command is to go in with this great imitation and declare it to the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. These are the outcasts, the ones usually overlooked in this world, right? And I think we need to be talking, to, to me, I think he's talking spiritually, you know. He's talking about the hurting, the abused, the confused, the unloved, the despised. Actually, if you kind of go a little bit earlier in the chapter, uh, he's giving another parable, the parable of the guest. We're not going to read all that, uh, but notice in verse 13, he says, but when you give a reception, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. The exact same people, right? And you will be blessed. That's the promise. Since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the right, at the resurrection of the righteous. That's when we get our rewards. And, you know, there's, there's a number of people in this world, the outcast of our society, they can't repay us. In fact, they don't have much to offer us. But Jesus, twice, he mentions that same group, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And again, that may be literal, but I think he's probably talking about spiritually, the ones who are hurting, who are limping through life. And he's saying, go to these people. And you know what? Sometimes one reason they're more responsive is because they don't have the five yoke of oxen. They don't have, you know, they don't have the piece of property that they just bought. And that's why I think, especially for those of us in North America and really Europe as well, because I know some people are listening to this in Europe, that is one of our biggest challenges because we want to follow Jesus, but we're letting the deception of all these things crowd, it, crowd that out. And we've got to get to the place Lord, I trust you. Yes, in this life, there are responsibilities, but I'm going to trust you and I'm still going to put you first. 
Okay, verse 14 here, going back to Luke 14. Oh, not, not verse 14. Uh, oh, uh, no, uh, it'd be 20, it'd be uh, verse, verse 12. Okay, 22, okay. Okay, it says, and the slave said, Master, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. I like that. There is still room. That, I believe, is God's word for us today. There is still room at the big dinner. And verse 23 and verse 24, therefore, he says, go out and compel them to come in. He says, and the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in. Why? So that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste of my dinner. By the way, that's very sober. And we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, uh, next week. But there's going to be quite a few people who've received the invitation. But you know what? They're not going to taste of the dinner. So our priority needs to be go out and compel people to come to this dinner. Why? Because God wants his house filled. He said, so that my house may be filled. There's still room. And he wants them from every nation. We can see that from other passages. We're not really focusing on that today. But he wants his house filled with people from every nation, tribe, language, every corner of the world. And we need to realize that some of the most receptive will be the spiritually poor, crippled, blind, and lame. We must tell people that the dinner is ready. The lavish banquet is ready. That the abundance of his house has been prepared. We need to declare it everywhere. So as we think about 2022, is this going to be our priority? Or do we have excuses? For, well, yeah, I'd really like to, but oh, this next year I can tell it's going to be a real busy one. It's true as we declare some will not listen some may even reject us and some will have excuses and i personally find that can especially be frustrating because i i think wait a minute they understand they've heard it but they're still not doing it but our responsibility is to keep sharing and telling people time is running out the dinner is almost ready This invitation, I call it the great invitation, is something truly amazing. It's an invitation to live for Christ. What does that mean? First of all, it means to put away our excuses, to trust him for the things that we need, and to live for him in everything in your life, everything. That includes your career, your business, your finances, your relationships, he wants us to live for him, not just on Sunday morning or house church or whatever, but 24-7. He wants us to invest ourselves in that which counts for eternity. He wants us to make Jesus Lord of our life. Luke 6, just a few chapters back, verse 46, it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. And by the way, 
in that chapter, he's giving some of his radical expectations of what it means to be a disciple. And the word Lord means what? It means master. And so I think Jesus is saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you don't do what I say. We have excuses, but that's not what he's really telling us. He's saying he wants to be Lord of our life. And that's what it means to live for Christ. And of course, the other thing it means to live for Christ is to proclaim the message of the great invitation. And that is what you are being called to today and next year and really the rest of your life. Now, some of you have probably made that commitment a long time ago. You've responded to this invitation. But I can't think of any reason why today you can't renew that commitment to him. Others of you have thought about it, maybe danced around it, played around with it. But you know in your heart that you have not truly made Jesus Christ your Lord, your master. Will you accept his invitation today? Now, I, I know the objections whenever you talk about making a commitment to follow him all the way, like in 2022 or anytime. But I'm not good enough. I don't have anything to offer. Wait a minute. That's okay. The invitation is we've already looked. is for the poor, the crippled, the blind, the uh, lame, those who don't have much to offer. In fact, he loves taking people who don't have much to offer and transforming their lives. Or you might say, but I've made too big of a mess in my life. I've ruined the opportunity to serve him. Maybe in the past I had the opportunity, but I blew it. I wasn't faithful. No, you're underestimating the power of Christ. You're underestimating his unconditional love. He's all powerful. He's all loving. And we can't say, oh, you're not powerful enough or you're not loving enough. That would be blasphemy, really, right? Jesus, in his ministry on earth, was always taking in those who had ruined their lives. Tax collectors, prostitutes, the woman at the well, Mary Magdalene. We don't know her story. We know that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. So we can assume that she had a lot of baggage. She had issues. She, uh, she had ruined her life in a lot of ways. Again, we don't know the details. And I'm kind of glad we don't know the details because that way it can apply to all of us. Yet, in Mary Magdalene's situation, she was so transformed that she was the one chosen to be the first person who'd see the resurrected Lord on Easter morning. Jesus loves to make trophies of grace from ruined lives. Another thing, another objection might be, but I don't have time right now to live for him. There's so much I need to take care of. Kind of sounds like what we read about here in Luke 14. I've just bought a piece of land. Please consider me excused. I've just bought five oxen that I've got to try out. You know, it's my responsibility. I just got married. Life never has enough time to follow Jesus. There's, there's too much to do. That's why, as we've said it a little earlier, you have to trust him. If not, 
all the things that you've got going on in your life, they're just going to keep multiplying as you go through life. And, and you could be overwhelmed with them. In fact, we get phrases like stressed out, burned out, you know, overwhelmed. You know, that always happens when we're not trusting God. And the amazing thing is those who trust God for these things, they've got peace. They have joy. And you know what? They're getting everything done. And they're not stressed out or burned out or any of that. If we go through life with all these excuses, we will miss the dinner. Remember Esau, who gave up his inheritance for some momentary satisfaction because he was hungry. He gave it up. Brothers and sisters, we have a much greater inheritance than Esau. And yet, many of them, many of you are giving it up because for the satisfaction of what pleases you and satisfies you today. And God is calling us to commit ourselves to following him, to live for him this next year and the rest of our lives. Can we do that? If you want to accept this great invitation, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that today. And I'm going to lead us in prayer. And if you're listening to this at home or in the car or wherever, I just want you to bow your head. If you're driving, keep your eyes open, <laughs> you know, of course. But I want you to follow in prayer with me. And this is to renew my commitment as well as making a first-time commitment. Now, don't do this if you're not sure you can put away the excuses. On the other hand, realize there's always going to be, I'm not sure if I can do this or not. There's always going to be an element of faith. And sometimes we have to take that step of faith. And I believe that some of you, as you're listening to this message, you hear God calling you. You hear God inviting you to live for him and to be involved as in serving him in any way you can. Let's pray. And again, I encourage you to pray along with me. Lord, we hear your great invitation to live for you, to receive all that you have for us, including eternal life. And Lord, we respond now by saying, yes, Lord. We don't want to be guilty of just saying, Lord, Lord, but we're saying, yes, Lord. We want you to be the Lord or master of our lives. We want to follow you. We want to serve you. We want to bear fruit. We want to proclaim the great invitation to everyone, even those who can't repay us or don't have anything to offer. Lord, we want to give that invitation to many. We want to go out and compel people because Lord, you have, you have prepared a great dinner, a languish, uh, uh, a, uh, a, uh, you know, a lavish banquet, a, uh, uh, abundance in your house. And you've invited us to come and partake of it. So Lord, as with so many other things, we realize we can't do this by ourselves. We have good intentions, but we can't follow through. So we need you to live inside of us and to give us the strength, the wisdom, the grace, 
all that. So Lord, by faith, we receive that too. And we receive the life that you've given us. And we commit ourselves to live for you. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you that 2022 is going to be a year that we honor and glorify you with our lives. Thank you. Amen.